Tired of jumping from job to job? How about a career in a recession-proof industry where you can make a difference and help create a healthier living and working environment? The pest management industry gives you the opportunity to work with more independence. OPC Pest Services will give you a chance to grow with advancement. Come be a part of our team at OPC Pest Services. Apply online at opcpest.com careers. That's opcpest.com careers. Where do you go to find all your favorite wine, beer, and spirits with selections customized to local tastes? For over 25 years, that go-to place has been Cox's Spirit Shop. Cox's, Louisville's go-to liquor store. Live from the Liquor Barn Studios, it's time for The V Show, right here on ESPN 680 and 105.7. Now, here's Bobby V. We're not on. There we are. We're totally on. There we are. Hi. Did I say the potty word on the air? No, you're good. Okay, good. Hi! It's Thursday, and uh, that's all I got today. So, goodbye, everybody. Have a good day. Uh, well, we got Dan Bonner. Hit the close. We got Dan Bonner coming up at uh, twelve thirty. Okay. We got Mark Story coming up at two fifteen. UK loses last night in overtime to uh, Florida. Ninety. What was the score? I think 97-94. something like that in overtime. Um, so we got that. We got a hit or myth coming up in the one o'clock hour or ninety four ninety one. What the hell was I saying? Uh, full disclosure: I didn't watch that game because your boy was chasing a little bit in the NBA. My uh, Santa Claus bet did not hit. Freaking Predators lost four to two um, at home. Took them puck line. They were getting a goal and a half. That sucked. And then went to the NBA. Nuggets lost to the Thunder. And then your boy started chasing, and I was watching the uh, rather intently. Time to just. Write it off. Oh, no, it worked. I mean, how'd, how'd you find time to do that? We all went to dinner last night and played music bingo. Never did, did that before. Par- Shout out Parlor, by the way. That, that was, was fun. That was some good stuff there. They, uh, you get a bingo card, and the cards all have a theme to them. Like one is 90s music, one is like party music, and they have all, I don't know how many, they have a ton of them. And then you have a, it looks like a bingo card. And, and then they play a song. And once once you recognize it, you don't have to know. It's not like trivia. They'll tell you what the answer is, and then you cross it out if you get it. And then if you get a bingo, you win a gift card to the restaurant. Then they do double bingo, and then they do cover all. So that means there's six chances to win, and we won how many times total? None. None. Absolutely Zero. none. No. One table won like every single yeah, they one. They cheated. Of them. They were cheating their ass off. Something like that. Something weird happened. What 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 do you have? That's a Puma shoe, I believe. I'm trying to f- get back to the message thing. Louis tried to do me a favor. Zabumafu. He sent me. He sent me a Puma shoe. They got a text, and he wanted to put it so I could find it without going through all the text. Here, and see. so now the whole text thing got erased. So, oh yeah, because you you because no good intention, no good no good deed, deed goes, goes unpunished. unpunished. So I don't know where it is. Where because, the hell is the damn mouse? Yeah, see, this is what I'm saying. There it is in the upper left corner. Now no, you no, lost here, it again. No, no, no. Here, here. Get rid of this. See, that's what he left me. He wanted to tell me the worst two-year ACC run is Boston College's from 15 to 17. They were 16 and 46. 
So that's the overall, though. That's not just the conference. So All right, here, wait. Give me, give me a second. Yeah, I you can't, you don't know what you're doing no, talk, talk amongst yourselves. Well, I can't do it from this angle. I'm All leaning right, across. The, go ahead. Walk ow. across. So you can do it. Okay, so here's the fun. Now I backed away to let you get to the computer. I forgot the microphone was all the way over there. So, um, Since the ACC, do you know what year the ACC came into existence? Found it. Do you know what year the ACC came into existence? 1972. Nope, 1953. Wow, is that old? Yeah. So, um, so I tried to just go back through ACC history, but this is why I enjoy history. By the way, you got nothing on the screen. It's completely blank. What the? F- I just did it. Yeah, well, not, evidently not so good. Because you got a, a polar bear eating snow and or, you know, walking in the snow in a blizzard. Okay, nothing. Still got nothing. Still nothing. Very entertaining to listen. Now, just, no, leave it. No, just leave it. Don't touch anything else. I did just leave it. Okay. I mean, I did just leave it. All right. So here, but here's the thing. Here's why I like history. Because you learn stuff. So I was going back just to get a perspective on, the, you know, not trying to be a um, – beat people over the head or, or black humor or anything, just out of curiosity. What are the worst seasons in ACC history? Well, you can only go back to 53 because that's when the league started. But, you know, since I like history so much, I discovered other cool stuff by just going back and looking at the history of all the teams that are in the ACC. For example, at Georgia Tech, did you know, it's kind of what we want to know Wednesday, which is fun, that the guy for whom the Heisman Trophy is named, John Heisman, Okay. was three years the basketball coach at Georgia Tech. They didn't play very many games there. He played in three years. He played 23 total games. They were 1-6, and 2-6, and six, and then turned it around his last year, 6-2. and two. Hey. So that was impressive. Okay. Then William Alexander came over, and that's for whom the I assume the Coliseum is named down there. And then there, so there was that. There was also, I'm, I'm so intrigued by this. I don't know. There's somebody listening who I'm sure remembers this guy because it wasn't that long ago. There was actually a coach there named Whack. That was his name. His name was Whack. 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 Not, not, not his a name was Whack, man. He was Whack. It's Whack Hyder. W H A C K. Whack Hyder. And he coached there from 1951 through 1973. Whack Hyder. Then. A gentleman named Dwayne, who I remember this guy because they played in New York, and I went to see they were at the Garden. I remember reading in the program, hey, there's the coach of the Georgia Tech Ramblin' Rec, Dwayne Morrison. And he, unfortunately for him, um, navigated them from 1973 through 1981. And I say unfortunately because he had some good teams. That's why I saw him at the Garden. He was 18 and 10 in 77. He was 17 and 9 in 79. But he wrapped it up. They joined the ACC in 1979-80. And he was 1 and 13 his first year and 0 and 14 his second year. So he was had a combined 1 and 17 ACC record his first two years. And his last year, they were 4 and 23. So that is the worst overall record since ACC origin that I found in my short research here. So, okay. um, um, so I, that was that was that. So they were they didn't win a conference game. No, Louisville has won conference games two years. But it was four and twenty three overall. If you want to go back to take a look at um, uh, North Carolina, they really have been never bad. Sadly, if you want to really hate on them, you can resent them if you want. But they've been they've been very good. The guy who 
It's very interesting, actually. History is fascinating to me. It is. They they were very good under a guy named Frank McGuire, who was from New York and had very great New York players he brought to to uh, to Chapel Hill. And then he left, and they were they were used. He'd won the national championship. Uh, he had beaten Wilt Chamberlain in triple overtime when Wilt was at Kansas. I mean, just a, a really legendary figure there. He got mad about something. I don't remember. Went to South Carolina after that. Went to, I don't know if he went right to South I don't think he went right to South Carolina. I digress. The fact of the matter is um, they they brought in um, uh, Dean Smith. And Dean, compared to Frank McGuire, struggled. He was certainly not, I mean, atrocious. I'm tap dancing here to get the record. I'm sorry. I apologize. Uh, let's see if I can find their overall record here. Um, I apologize to you. Frank McGuire was there from 53 to 61. They won the championship in 1957. Um, <coughs> they, they got placed on probation. They got barred from the 61 tournament. They forced McGuire to resign. That's what it was. And they went and got Dean Smith. Dean Smith came in and struggled his first couple of years and then put together a dynastic run, such as it were, uh, that I had in front of me just a moment ago, and I'm about to throw the phone through the window because I can't get it to come back up. Again. Oh, there it is. Yeah. Technology. Yeah. Technology doing it to you. Just really not pleased. That's the women's program. We don't want that. No disrespect to the women's program. Oh, man. I apologize to you. God bless America. Why is it so hard? Why is everything so hard? And now I'm... Uh, yeah. Anyway, he he struggled. You can almost say he replaced himself because they hung him in effigy. He wasn't nearly as good as, Fra- as as Frank was, although they did have winning records, I think, but they were barely 500. Uh, and then, of course, they put together a run that was unbelievable. And people forget that Bill Guthridge, who was his assistant, took over. And in three years, went to the Final Four twice. <laughs> he said he didn't leave for any reason other than Dean had enough, and he said, I wasn't ready to retire yet. So he coached him for three years, and then Matt Doherty took over, and that's when they had their first 20-loss season, I think maybe, I don't know, certainly since the ACC came about. And, uh, and it's unbelievable how, uh, you know, you really do appreciate that when a guy comes in who's been an accomplished coach, that he can just come in and uh, – um, and, and here it is. God bless America. Finally, I apologize. There's so much damn information to forever to get through it all that he came in and um, just was dominant. Here's the damn stuff I was trying to find. When McGuire left, he had been 99 and 31 in the league in the ACC. Um, he w- he had been their, their only coach in the ACC starting in 53, 54. And he was he won seventy four percent of his games. Then Dean Smith came in. They only played seventeen games his first year. They were eight and nine, seven and seven in the conference, fifteen and six, twelve and twelve, and that's when they were about ready to hang him. Fifteen and nine, sixteen and eleven. Then starting in sixty six, sixty seven, one of the most incredible runs in college basketball. Twenty six and six. He won twenty six, twenty eight, twenty seven, eighteen, twenty six, twenty six, twenty five, twenty two, twenty three, twenty four, twenty eight, twenty three, twenty three, twenty one, twenty nine, thirty two. National Championship, 28, 28, 27, 28, 32, 27, 29, 21, 29, 23, 34, 28, 28, 21, and 28. I mean, that is an incredible run. The Bill Guthridge came in, by the way. Who was that, though? I just had to drop something off to my girlfriend outside. but Yeah, no question. Don't let, don't let the show get in the way of your girlfriend. No, absolutely. Oh, no, no. I just, no I, it was I real quick. but the Donuts or something? <laughs> uh, Dean Smith. Bill, ah. Gu- Bill Guthridge then took over and was 34 and 4. 
and wound up in the final four. Next year was 24 and 10. His last year was 22 and 14, but went to the final four. Retired at 80 and 28. 32 and 16. Then Darty came Why in. Why did he retire so soon? He was so old. So soon he was old, too. He was, he was there oh, okay. a long time. But he just wasn't quite ready to get out right away, and he left after three years. Darty came in. First year, 26 and 7. Everything looked like it was going to be hunky-dory. And then the wheels came flying off. 8 and 20. 4 and 12 in the ACC. The following year, he was 19 and 16. But he had always had a rocky go because Dean Smith wanted him to hire Phil Ford as his assistant, and Darty said no to Dean. That was bad. So from that point on, Dean was not in his corner. And so he was more than – he had been asking Roy Williams to come back anyway, even when Darty took it originally. And then uh, finally it opened again, and Roy was like, I can't say no to Dean twice. And his – just remarkable. You see the difference. They came in 19-16. Roy Williams' first year was 19-11, 8 eight in the league. And then he was 33-4, and 14-2, and two, and won the national championship his second year there. Wow. Yeah. That's pretty good. Thirty, but look at—I mean, this is a run. This is a run. The dwarf deans, even twenty-three and eight, and then he went thirty-one and seven, went to the elite eight, thirty-six and three, went to the final four, thirty-four and four, and went to the—he uh, won the championship again, twenty and seventeen. He was the runner-up in the NIT, twenty-nine and eight, went to the elite eight, thirty-two and six, went to the elite eight, then twenty-five wins, twenty-four wins, twenty-six wins, thirty-three wins was the runner-up, thirty-three wins won the national championship. Two-year run of 66-14 and 14 with a runner-up in a national championship. Then 26 wins, uh, 29 wins, 14-19 and 19 in the well, – that was the COVID year, right? No, I, I don't know. When, when was 19 and 20? Was that COVID? I don't know, but they were they – were, yeah, it was COVID because there was no postseason held. They were 14-19. and 19. And Then the last year he was there was 18-11. and 11. They got to the tournament. He won – so he won 74.8% of his games. Uh Bill Guthridge won 74.1% of his games. Dean Smith won 77.6% of his games. Darty won 55% of his games. So and that's a good guy, but that was not a great run. So far, Hubert is winning 73% of his games. <laughs> it's just uh, rather remarkable that they just keep uh, getting it going there. But they're, I, they're, So their worst season was Darty's at uh, 8 and 9. Clemson is interesting. Clemson basketball. Uh, I'm trying to find I, – I, I'm not doing this again to be, you know, there was a movie made called Little Murders, which was a black comedy, and and one of the part components of it is Elliot Gould plays a guy whose his profession is he. I'm just telling you, so don't get mad at me. He goes around New York and he takes photographs of dog poo on the sidewalk. That's his, that's what he does. Okay, why? Because <laughs> it's a black comedy. Who would actually make a living doing that? No one. So I'm saying. So I'm not that guy. I'm not taking pictures of dog poo here. Just uh, celebrating. Uh, some of the awful uh, histories in in uh, in ACC, but in the league. But here is here is um, uh, here we go. List of Clemson's basketball seasons. Um, let's go see. There was uh, again. You go way back. I, you don't want to start contrasting them with like 1919. They only won three games. Well, they only played four. They were three and one. <laughs> That's hard to believe. I give him credit for still on the record of that. They were two and seventeen in nineteen twenty-three, but I don't think we need to talk about that. So let's talk about since they got to the ACC, uh, and also the fact that Banks McFadden was. How about this? These are great names. These were their coaches back to back: Rock Norman and Banks McFadden. I'm just oh, I'm man. so digging that, that is about great Clemson basketball. Old school names. Yeah. Uh, then Press Maravich, although he was Pete Maravich's dad and a very successful coach Banks in his own McFadden right. sounds like a 
1930s like pitcher for the Mets. No, I think it sounds like a one of those um, um, like role playing computer games, like an action figure. <laughs> he's Banks McFadden, <laughs> you know, and he just he's just, intrepid space explorer. Banks, Banks no, McFadden. No, I think he's like he's more like a detective. He's Banks McFadden. Uh, okay. Where's Banks? The old, the old gumshoe. This, this. I believe there's been a murder here. Why do you say that? He's got five knives in his chest, and he's been decapitated. Man, nothing Banks McFadden can't find out. <laughs> <laughs> yes, exactly. Banks will solve it. Call Banks. That's I like that. Uh, Press Maravich, I was intrigued by this. As great as he was, and he was great. I mean, he got his son at LSU, and they had great teams. He was very good at NC State. At Clemson, not so much. He didn't have one winning season. He was 7-17, and 8-16 twice, 10-16 and 16 twice, and 12-15. and 15. The most games he ever won in the ACC was five, five and nine. But he was a, a very successful coach, and it didn't hurt that his son was one of the great players of all time. Okay, so then they were 4-20 they were in 1968. Bobby Roberts, the coach, uh, and he was 3-11. and 11. Um, So that is, that is their worst year. They were 3-11, and 11 and they were 4-20. and 20. Um, That's it. Uh, uh, Rick Barnes came in and had four good years. Larry Shiat came in and had a couple of good years, three losing years. Oliver Purnell came in, had a couple of good years. He, in fact, his last four teams all won 20 games there. Uh, then Brad Brownell came in, and he's been very good. We explain why they, you know, it's just he's not made a deep march run, but he's had a he's had pretty good success there. He really has. I mean, he's had has he ever had a losing season? I don't think so. Never had a losing season. Wow, really? No, he's been there since ni- since 2010. He's never had a losing season. Um, his overall record uh, well, it doesn't have totals yet, but he's won. You know, he hasn't, but he has not made a deep run. He he went to the NIT last year. He was to the year before that they missed it altogether. They were eight and twelve in the league. They didn't go anywhere. The year before that they went to the NCA and lost in the first round. The year before that there was no postseason because of COVID. Year before that, second round of the NIT. Year before that, they went to the Sweet 16. Um, and that's as deep a run as he's made in the postseason. They've never gone to the Final Four. They've been to the Elite Eight. You need a tissue or something, so you got to stop doing that. Do it's I? going on the air. Oh, dang it. I didn't. I meant to hit the yeah, cough button. You're not doing that. So, um, yeah, so there's, there's, uh, there's that. Um, who else you want to look up here? Give me somebody. Has, Syracuse, we know, hasn't been bad. Right. They've never been bad. So is it even worth looking that up? I don't uh, think so. Have we done Wake Forest? Oh, about Wake. That's a good one. Yeah, Steve yeah Wake had some. Wake had some rough years under Jeff Bizdelic. That's a good point. Yeah, do that one, and then let's get to break because we got Dan Bonner coming up. Dan Bonner. Dan Bonner. Dan. Let's see if we can get him to tell a funny story about the end of a game he played. He loves to tell this story. It's pretty funny. He he only he said he really only played significant minutes his last year at Virginia. And um, Terry Holland was the, the was the coach. Let's see if I can get him to tell it. He likes to tell it, so maybe I can get him to regale you with a, a story there. I, I like storytellers. All right, here's the Wake Forest Demon Deacons. Let's see. Here's the basketball seasons. You know, if you want to find basketball seasons on Wikipedia, you have to go by that's a separate entity than the history of the program. So let's see if they have any cool names of anybody. They got a lot of guys who coached by initials. J.R. Crozier. E.T. McDonald, J.L. White, those were their three of their first four coaches. R.S. Hayes, coached in 1925. Um, um, Murray Greeson was there for a long time. I don't know why I dig that, but that sounds like a guy would run a New York deli, doesn't it? <laughs> I can see that. Murray Greeson was there forever. It's aggressively cutting. 
<laughs> Murray was there from 1933 Pastrami. to 1957. Yowza. So he actually transitioned into the ACC, and they were pretty good. 17 and 12, 17 and 10, 19 and 9, 19 and 9. Not so bad. Then Bones McKinney took over. Bones. Darryl. These names are awesome. Awful first year, 6 and 17, That's 3 true. and 11, but then 10 and 14, 5 and 9, then they were good. 21 and 7, 19 and 11, 22 and 9, 16 and 10, 16 and 11, and his last year was 12 and 15, and then he resigned or was forced out, I don't know. Jack Murdoch came over for a year. I don't, I don't know that name. Then Jack McCloskey, who was a prominent professional coach for a while, he had a couple of good years, uh, 18 and 9, 16 and 10, but his last year was 8 and 18. Then Carl Tacey, who was there for a long time, and his war, his best year was 23-9, and nine, and his worst year was he – didn't he had a couple of losing seasons in the middle there, 12 and 15, but certainly nothing, you know, that would qualify for our list here. Bob Stack came in, and he had never had a winning season. But he was – his first year there, he was 8-21, and 0-14 and in the ACC. So that is not a good year, but he did win eight overall games, which gives you an idea, I think, how good the ACC was then. Um, 14 and 15, 10 and 18, 13 and 15. Dave Odom came in, had Tim Duncan, right? I think he did. And and they were very good at basketball. He was there for a long time, from 1989 to 2001, and never had one losing season his first year. That was it. Uh, Then Skip Prosser, the late Skip Prosser, who we all loved. Everybody loves Skip. He had a great run up till his last year. He was 21 13, 25 and 6, 21 and 10, 27 and 6, 17 and 17, then 15 and 16 his last year, unfortunately. Then Dino Gaudio came in. Dino had a good run. No wonder he was so yeah. better. 17 and 13, 24 and 7, 20 and 11. But then uh, the guy came in who wanted Jeff Bizdelic. He was friends with Jeff Bizdelic. Jeff had not had a successful run as a college coach. He had been in the NBA for a while, and he came in and he was eight and twenty-four, one and fifteen his first year. That was coming off a twenty-win season. Um, then he was thirteen and eighteen, thirteen and eighteen. He did have a winning season his last year, seventeen and sixteen. But then he was gone, and our assistant Danny Manning came in. Danny was 13 and 19, 11 and 20, 19 and 14, 11. Damn it. Did it again. Sorry. I know. I'm 11 bad. and 20, 11 and 20, and 13 and 18. And then Steve Forbes has come in. He was 6 and 16 his first year, 3 and 15 in the league. Since that time, he's been pretty damn good 25 and 10, 19 and 14, and 12 and 5. So, no, there was no, there was the only single digit win season for them was Jeff Bizdelic, 8 and 24, and 1 and 15. So there's that. How about BC? They haven't been that good at basketball. Well, we got to take a break. We got to get Dan Bonner on. I told him twelve thirty, so we can do more of this later. But we don't, we, we can't do we another. We got to find more cool nicknames. I know we'll we need do like it later. A plugger, we'll do, we'll, Plugger Wilson, Plugger or, or Spitnose Ham Stevens, Spitnose Johnson, Spitnose Johnson. Yeah. All right, uh, all right. We'll take a break. Then Dan Bonner, ESPN six eighty one five seven. Taking care of your family isn't always easy, so we make sure getting care when you need it is. With Baptist Health Urgent and Virtual Care, we bring you more options and greater convenience, too. With video visits available 24-7 and online check-in through MyChart for in-person visits. To check in online or to set up a video visit, go to baptisthealth.com slash careanywhere. 
it's time to replace your heating and air system, we know people want options. That's why you'll always get a free second opinion with BJ Heating and Cooling. Plus, for a limited time, get 0% financing for 60 months on a new Bryant system. Call the experts you can trust at BJ Heating and Cooling. More V-Show with Bob Valvano is now, right here on ESPN 680 and 105.7. All right, we welcome you uh, back here to our Thursday edition of the V-Show on ESPN 680. And Bob Valvano with you and Snorfy McSnorferson over there on the other mic. Sorry. And uh, I'm glad that you're able to spend some of your th- Thursday with us. Uh, Dan Bonner is with us, and uh, I don't normally do this, but I'm going to put a guy, put our guest on the spot right away. Dan, please, please regale our listeners with the story you told me on the way out that's hilarious the story now which which story are you talking about i tell a lot of stories about the one about the view with terry holland and the last second play and, and <laughs> come on that's darned entertaining well i i don't know that you know you enjoyed that i don't know particularly that you're listening oh they well, will the trust me they will they love hoops they like they like the inside dope this is inside baseball stuff well uh, the story starts and this is this is how it uh Everybody laughed at me after the game was over because the headline, the first paragraph in the story the next day of the paper was, if you thought all white basketball was boring, all the evidence you needed was at the Charlotte Coliseum last <laughs> night where two seniors in the twilight of mediocre careers led Virginia to a victory over Dave. And you were one of those and, seniors. <laughs> yes, I was one. I was one. Uh, there's no question about that. But the, the reason I was telling you the story was about communications and of course, it was back in the day when there was no shot clock, uh, and we didn't have banners, uh, scoreboards all around the arena. The only scoreboard was up at the top, and you couldn't see it if you were on the court. It was one of those giant scoreboards. And so the game was tied. Coach Holland called a timeout. There was a little bit more than a minute left in the game. We had the ball, and he said, okay, we're going to hold the ball until there's 10 seconds left in the game, and then we're going to run this play. And he drew up the play. And I was very excited because he drew up the play for me. And just to make sure that everybody understands, he told me after the game, <laughs> when I thanked him for drawing up the last play for me, he said, well, I never anticipated that you'd make the shot, but I figured they'd foul you and you might make the free throw. <laughs> and so that's the kind of confidence that everybody reposed in me as a basketball player. But anyhow, I was very excited. And the only reason he drew up the last play for me that Wally Walker, our best player, had fouled out of the game. But anyhow, so we do what he says. You know, we're passing the ball around, and we have no idea how much time is left in the game. Uh, so with 10 seconds, everybody in the bench stands up. And our point guard, really smart guy, really good friend of mine, a big real estate guy now in Charlottesville, he is about, I don't know, maybe six or seven feet beyond what is now the three-point line, right beyond the top of the key. And when everybody stands up on the bench – with 10 seconds left, instead of running the play, he shoots the ball. <laughs> and, you know, I'm, I'm furious. You know, here, here's my big chance at glory, and uh, I missed it. And, you know, he shoots the ball. And so I am so mad, I go running in, and the ball just happens to come right to me off the rim, and I'm falling down out of bounds, and I throw it up, and at the buzzer it goes in, and we win the game. And so everybody's jumping up and down, but not me. I disentangle myself from the people along the baseline and go up and I grab this guy by the shirt and I say, what in the world? That's not exactly what I said, but I said, what in the world is, what in the world is wrong with you? And he looked me right in the eye and he said, well, 
That was the play. <laughs> <laughs> So here you have Terry Holland, one of the best coaches that, you know, ever coached. And he draws up this specific play, and he makes sure with everybody, now this is what we're going to do. And one of the smartest guys on our team, our point guard, what he hears is, okay, when everybody in the bench stands up, you are way beyond the top of the key. You just shoot the ball. <laughs> That's it. It's 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 that gap between when the message is sent and then when it is received. That right. that's when a lot of problems happen. A lot of buffering. <laughs> uh, it's a problem in life, Bob. When you tell somebody something, you never know what they're hearing. And lots of times, you know, you may not even say what you're trying to say. But uh, uh, that that's just a perfect example of what you say and what you mean may not be what the person you're talking to here yeah i gotta admit though knowing terry i certainly didn't know as well as you did but i knew him pretty well i'm fairly certain that wasn't the play (laughs) (laughs) i don't think terry sorry here's what we're gonna do and very distinct he's got the whiteboard all right now remember there's no clock so bench you guys stand up so the players will know there's 10 seconds and then when we get then you go when you see him stand up what was the point guard's name what was his name what his first name do i have to tell you that he's a really good friend just give me his first andrew His name was Andrew Beninti. Oh, Italian guy. Well, that explains it. <laughs> Andrew. So he's all right. And here's what we want to do. And then he goes through everything and he's got the board and he's got, he puts a little one, two, three, four, five on there. He says, okay. And then when the bench stands up, Andrew, wherever you are, you shoot it. All right, let's go. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I don't think that worked out. So anyway, all right. Well, I, I like that story. That's a, and we're getting text story. They enjoyed that story. Very good. So the people enjoyed it. See, I told you they would enjoy that. People like those inside stories. Okay. Uh, let's, let's talk about the other night, though, because I saw you on okay. the way out, and I've quoted you already on yesterday's show. I said, you know, you said what you said to me, which was they were down. They looked dead in the water. People, half the arena left. Paul and I kind of reconciled ourselves on the radio to the fact that it's, it's that's not anything happening here tonight. And then with almost all of their front line fouled in foul trouble or fouled out, and no point guard, they outscored them by, I believe it was 19 points. And it went from uh, 23 down to – actually, they outscored them by 20 points. They were down 24, and they cut it to four. Now, I, I – I said on yesterday's show, I really have no idea how to be an analyst for this team because nothing really makes any sense, and that didn't really make any sense either. So you want to help me? What do you do with this team? Well, I I don't know what you do with the team. Uh, You know, we talked to Kenny Payne yesterday, and uh, Wes Durham and I were working the game, and Wes asked him about, you know, what do you do about the bad starts? And he said, well, guys, it's not really bad starts. It's sometimes it's at the start of the game, but it's bad spurts. We have these bad spurts, and but we're able to, you know, we fight back. And that's the thing about this team. They fight back. Uh, you know, it's amazing to me. I was looking at the stat sheet after the game. Louisville had 21 offensive rebounds. They forced uh, 13 turnovers. Uh, and they did that with their big guys in foul trouble and no point guards. Uh, so it's I just I can't really put my finger on what happened out there. It was one of those mystery games, but it's the you know I've had Louisville a couple of times this year, and they just don't quit. They don't roll over. Uh, you know they can't they can't get it over the top, but uh, you know they they have those bad spurts. But I was you know again <laughs> they came right back, and I I have no explanation for it. I can't help you figure the team out. I'm sorry, Bob. 
You know what, though, Dan? And here's the point I was making on yesterday's show. You've got, I don't know how many games you've, you've been doing this for a long time. We talked about that, and I've coached a bunch of games and, and broadcast a bunch of games myself. And, and most of the time, if not all of the time, when you see a game that so dramatically turns – there's something you can at least point your finger to. They went to a press. The other team didn't handle the press well. They were playing man. They went to zone. They started gambling a little bit more. Something. I didn't see them do anything different. That's And that's happened. In, they did it against Carolina. They did it now against Clemson. There's nothing that you look at and say, oh, okay, here's when it turned around. They put Dan Bonner in, and he, was, you know, and he made five threes in a row, and, oh, man, the momentum changed. Nothing. They just did the exact same things, and it looked like two different games. That, I don't ever – you don't ever see that, I don't think. At least almost every game I've done where I look back at it and say, oh, I remember this game. This is when they suddenly started to – you know, they went from man to man. They started trapping in the zone and all. Oh, but nothing. They were doing the exact same things. They played man-to-man. They played the same things. I, I realized that Trey had a, a big game, but I don't think that's what did it. He, he was scoring the whole night, basically. So, you know, it's very – let's be candid. You think some of it has to be human nature. Clemson thought the game was over. Don't you – didn't you see it that way? I thought so. I thought they let off the gas a little bit. Well, that's possible. But the one thing that happened – that you know, I could put my finger on, and I'm not sure it was decisive, I'm not sure it was the reason, is that Louisville just kept attacking, kept attacking, and they got Clemson in foul trouble. Uh, you know, Clemson, uh, they, they had some foul problems at the end of the game, and, you know, particularly with P.J. Hall. Uh, and Hall, you know, he, he had a really good scoring game, although he had a very poor shooting game. Yeah. Uh, but they, they, they got Clemson in a little bit of foul trouble. And, you know, maybe that's why Clemson backed off a little bit. I don't know. Uh, I'm not sure that in Clemson's situation, and Brad Brownell, I'm not sure whether he's that much different. But this year he has told us that he talks to his team very frequently about where their position is in relation to the NCAA tournament, why this particular game, how it will affect the NCAA tournament, and what the net is and all this kind of stuff. So his players are all aware of that. And so, you know, I don't know that I would say that they took their foot off the gas because with the way we evaluate things now, you just can't. You know, mm. you've got to keep going. Uh, but I, so I, I'm with you, though. I, I couldn't really figure it out. The only thing that I could point to is they got in a little bit of foul trouble and got a little bit more tentative than they would have been otherwise. Texter. You know, sorry, Dan, this is where we live, and I get it. This frustrated fans, Texter, says, don't mean to be snarky. But, yeah, one thing you can point your finger at is they, they, they wind up losing. <laughs> well, <laughs> yeah. you know, Bob, what it comes right down to is the lesson that Nolan Richardson taught me years ago. Uh, he was angry that, uh, that at the time that the, the writers uh, in the Arkansas area were complaining that his team didn't rebound the ball very well. And they were quoting all these stats about rebounds. And he told me, he said, you know, there's only one stat in basketball that means anything, anything. And uh, he said, you know what that stat is? And, of course, I'm a young broadcaster, and Nolan's Nolan Richardson, and I'm terrified and I don't say anything, and he says, it's the score. <laughs> so, you know, and, and he's right. It doesn't matter what happens in the game. Uh, it's the score. Yeah. And if you lose the game, it doesn't matter how much fight you show. It doesn't matter uh, how well you play in spurts. You lost the game. And you can find positives 
within that loss, but the bottom line is you lost the game, and if you continually lose games, then everybody's going to be upset, and I understand that. Yeah, it's it's funny because you know – one of the best SIDs in the country, Chuck Walsh at Florida State. It's like an Easter egg. He hides somewhere in the press notes every game, if you look. You know, like their stats, which is what you're talking about, Dan. You know, when Florida State is 14 and three when they have more than nine offensive rebounds, they're 10 and two, you know, when they get more than five steals. However many games they've won, one of the stats is always FSU is 11 and 0 when they've scored more points than their opponents. <laughs> <laughs> I love that. That's, uh, that's pretty good. Uh, what do you make? We're, 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 you know, pretty much halfway through here. What do you make of the league and, I know Joe Lenardi's got his own entity, and I think you and I talked about this privately, but how many teams do you think are going from this conference? What do, you, what do you make of how good the ACC is in the big national picture? Well, you know, the ACC is very competitive, Bob, and, uh, you know, we're, we're seeing that with, you know, these crazy, uh, you know, Georgia Tech's not going to the NCAA tournament, but, I mean, good heavens, they've beaten North Carolina, Duke, uh, and Clemson. Uh, but, I, you know, I think that uh, obviously – North Carolina and Duke and Clemson are very well deserving of NCAA tournament bids. Uh, you know, I think that even though they have stumbled here recently, I think that uh, Wake Forest is playing pretty well. Florida State, they started so badly, and in this day and age we penalize people who start poorly and get hot, mm. and we reward people who start hot and fade at the end. But, I, you know, I don't think five is out of the question. I think six would be very reasonable. Uh, we can't look and say, okay, I think this team is pretty good, and therefore they ought to win. You have to acknowledge that there are certain metrics that are used, and that's how it's going to be evaluated. And the ACC, once again, they're coming up a little bit short with a lot of these metrics. Yeah, I, 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 you know, and it's one of those things. I really believe in metrics. I do. I, I like them, and I've always, I, you know, way back before – I was like that song. I was country when country wasn't cool. I was into numbers before it all of a sudden took over the the, the country. I, I certainly not at the level it is now, but I always was intrigued to try and find things. If you pour over stat sheets that might tell you something about a team, um, especially because we didn't have nearly the information we have now. So if you could glean something from that, it was oh, that's pretty good. So so, but I also think sometimes we get married to it to the point where we're blinded by what you just alluded to the overall picture and. And I'll tell you, again, we've gone full circle here, but that Louisville's team is a perfect example of that game's end. And I'll look at the stat sheet and say, how the hell were they down 24 points in this game, for example? Like, they were, they out-rebounded Clemson, who's a very good rebounding team. They out-rebound their opponents by, like, seven a game. And Louisville out-rebounded by, like, 20 and didn't give them an offensive rebound in the first half. And it wasn't because Clemson was shooting well. They had a bunch of missed shots. You look at that and you say, well, they should be right in there. And instead, they're down 24. They had the same kind of deal at, at, at North Carolina. Carolina. They, they, you know, they shot, I don't know, 50 some odd percent and 40 some odd percent from the three. They didn't make that many turnovers, I don't think. And that they, they still find themselves down by a bunch. So, you know, it reminds me, of, you'll like this, Dan. My brother was completely BS proof, which is one of the reasons I miss him and I love him. I mean, my first year, my very first head coaching job was at Division II school in Pennsylvania. And they had, they weren't, they hadn't been very good. They'd only won, I think, like eight games the year before. And so we come out in our first seven games. We, we, we've won one, we've lost two in overtime, we lost three by three points, one by four points, and this is before the internet and before you could follow everybody, and so 
we're, we're talking. Finally, we get a phone call, and he says, so how's it going over there? And I said, yeah, pretty good. You know, they're, they're, we, 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 we've won one. We've lost two by three. We lost two in overtime. We lost one by four. He said, oh, I know what your problem is. I said, what? He says, you suck. He said, you, 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 you're one in six. I don't care if you lost by three or by 30 or 40. You, you got one win in seven games. You got to be better. So I was like, yeah, okay. <laughs> So that's uh, you know it was a tough room. It was tough growing up in our house. Is all I can tell you. <laughs> I imagine so. You know, I just the, the thing that we do now. We have so many measures, so many numbers. Uh, you know, it's it's like in baseball. Uh, you know, when they're talking about the Cy Young Award, it's like the thing that they don't value anymore is how many games the pitcher won. Uh, you know, they're looking at all these other numbers. Uh, and, you know, they're saying, well, you know, how many games you win, that doesn't really tell what a good pitcher you are. Well, you know, I think that we're still trying to win. Right, I agree. Yep. You know, I think that's the object. But, you know, the key to this, and there are certain leagues, and the Big 12 leads the way, who have figured this out, that what you do in the non-conference portion of the schedule with all your teams, you have as many teams get great nets as possible. Mm-hmm. And don't tell me the net is a sorting tool. Don't tell me that that's not really, doesn't really matter what your net is. It does. Mm-hmm. Because they have this quad system. How many quad one wins do you have? How many quad two wins do you have? And that's all based on this net, which of course is an acronym for NCAA Evaluation Tool. Right. And when the NCAA Tournament Selection Committee is selecting, you, you cannot convince me that the NCAA's own evaluation tool isn't the major thing that they use. And the reason I'm saying that is if you start your conference play, as the Big 12 did, with seven teams in the top 30 of the net, and that's important, that number 30 is very important, that means that when your teams are playing, uh, let's say that uh, Kansas is playing uh, Oklahoma State, Well, if both of those teams are in the top 30 of the net, then that means that any time they play anybody, it's a quad one opportunity for whoever they play. And so you you can get quad one wins beating a top 30 team playing them at home. You have have to beat, you know, you have to play on the road. Uh, You know, you, you can get a quad one win if you play somebody on the road whose net is 75 or lower, but it's hard to win games on the road. Mm -hmm. And, and if you look at numbers, what you will see with the net is that you can game the system by playing really bad teams and beating them by a lot. Yeah, I and agree. And, you know, people say, well, the net, you know, you want the road wins, and they evaluate this and they evaluate that. But one of the key elements in there, when they say that they cap the scoring margin at 10, they don't. Because one of the elements is offensive efficiency minus defensive efficiency. And boys and girls... There's no other way to say that. That's the scoring margin. Yeah, right, right. Yeah, I, I, and, and it's bad in a way. You were, I think Bill has said the same point. He said that's why you go to games now and you hardly ever see the walk-ons get in <laughs> you know, because they, they need to play it to the wire so they can get those numbers up. So uh, I don't know how I feel about that, actually. But um, you're right. Whether I like it or you like it or dislike it, it's the reality, and you got to understand how to navigate the system. There's no question about that. So, yeah, uh, and that, that's not to say the ACC did a really good job this year as a conference 
and they lost very few games that, you know, no matter what, no matter whether you're hurt or your best players out, you play certain teams that you just can't lose those games. And the ACC did a much better job this year in the non-conference than they have for the past two seasons winning those games. The ACC won more than 90% of those games. Uh, but one of the teams that lost three of those games that you shouldn't lose was Florida State. Mm-hmm. And so now Florida State, it's not exactly what I heard Jim Beheim say on the air the other day when he was talking about Florida State. He said, well, you know, they couldn't beat anybody, and now they're beating everybody. So that's, that's not quite the way it was, but Florida State is suddenly playing very well. Right. Guess what? A coach has a chance to develop his team, and the team improves yes. during the year. What a concept that is. Yep, absolutely. Uh, but we don't, we don't reward that with our metrics. The fact that Florida State lost the game to Lipscomb is, you know, is like a disaster, not only for Florida State, but for the league. And yep. I just think that's crazy. I agree. And you remember, Dan, you've been doing this long enough. I, I don't know if it still factors in at all, but do you remember? Because I, I remember when, when – um, Oh, I forget the guy's name now. He would come to Bristol and do the seminar on how they pick the the you know the teams, and he gave us all the sheet and the worksheet and the computer thing and blah blah blah. And one of the components was last ten games. Remember that they would put a lot of emphasis. And I always thought, you know what, that makes sense to, for the reason you said, which was you should have time to develop your team. You know, and especially in today's day where the first day of practice, you probably have to pass out name tags because of all these portal guys. <laughs> I mean, so I, and, and I don't think they do that anymore. If they do, it's not as important. And I agree with you. you. You're taking away the ability of a guy to develop his team. And I think that's a shame. So, uh, no, Bob, they have specifically rejected the last 10 games. That's, the, I mean, they'll tell you over and over again, that's simply not a factor. We want all the games to count. Well, what we have done is we've created a situation where what you do in November and December is more important than what you do in January and February. Which is crazy. Uh, Which I think is crazy. If you, if you play in a league where everybody has a really good net because they, in November and December they've played bad teams and beaten them by a lot, there's a team out there, and I won't name them, but there's a team out there that started conference play with a net of nine. With a net of nine. And their opponents at the, at the time they started conference play by net rank were 25, they lost that game, 66, they lost that game, 69 was a home game they won, but their other opponents, and these are all wins, 103, 148, 225, 258, Yikes. 281, 286, 302, 320, 346, 349. Their record was 11 and 2. Now you explain to me, how a team that played one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight games, all home games, against teams with nets of 225 or higher, including four with nets of 302 or higher, you explain to me how they can start their conference play with a net ranking of nine. Well, I, you know, I'll, I'll mention a team by name, and I don't know if this is who you're alluding to, but I'm looking at the net rankings right now. Auburn is eighth in the country in in net rankings. They don't have a quad one win. Zero. They're zero and four in quad one wins. And they're surrounded by teams that have a bunch. I mean, UConn's seven and two in quad one wins. Tennessee has three quad ones. BYU's got three. Alabama's got three. Uh, and there's, there's, How does that play out exactly? I mean, it sounds like they're contradicting their own criteria. Well, they are, but the problem is, and it's not Auburn, and I'm talking about, 
But as I look at the scores for this team, they had one, two, three, 55-plus margin of victories. One, two, three, four margin of victories in the 30s. One margin of victory at 41. And so that's what happens. You play bad teams. You beat them by a lot in the non-conference portion of the schedule. So your net is very good. Now, that means if your net is number nine, then you, and I'm not saying they're a bad team, but that means if the other teams do that and you have a lot of teams in the top 30 of the net, then if you win games in your conference, well, this is a pretty good conference. Yep. But if you lose games, it's, wow, these are really good teams beating up on one another. When what they've done to get their net is uh, very suspicious to me. They're gaming the system. Yeah, I agree with you. I don't. I, I wish I, you know. I'm not sure what the answer is, but uh, you you are right that you, the guys who understand the system and know how to navigate it, have a distinct advantage. There's no, and I guess that's probably true no matter what system you put in. I guess, but it, there's, uh, there's no question about that, Bob. And of course, uh, I talked to one director of basketball operations, and we were talking about this, and he said, "Well, you know, it's not really all that easy to make sure you schedule bad teams." And if you do, then it's not all that easy to really beat somebody badly, and you risk disaster if you lose one of those games. Yeah, true. I mean, there is some element of truth that that, as cynical as it sounds, you're right. That's, I don't know. That's tough. But, but it's, it's, we, we have a system, and any system that you have, people can game it. Yes. Oh, no but doubt. No it's doubt. Just, it's just one of those things where we, we rely so heavily on this net, and the net is the biggest factor they'll tell you anything they want to tell you but the biggest factor and what i gave you is proof positive that it's if you run up the score you really improve your net yeah and i don't, I don't necessarily think that's a good thing but it is what it is my friend hey uh, it was great to see you the other day i hope we have some more assignments in the same location in the future and i'm sure at some point if not at least at the acc tournament i'll see you again my friend thanks so much all right bob it's always great to talk to you all right you too dan bonner he's been good for a long 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 time i met him when i was still coaching they he was assigned the division two championship game bellarmine was the host team here we weren't in it sadly but uh, he was here and so he came and uh, we went to lunch together and it's the first time i'd ever met him and he was just he's just he's great He's uh, really, really good. It's interesting. While he was talking, I, fa- I got up. You can find it, the uh, NCAA net rankings. It's right there on their website. And uh, if you go, I know he's right. The top 30 is significant. But just to make my point, I'm, I'm skewing it so I can make my point. If you go to the top 40, the Big 12 has 10 of the top 40 teams. 10. That's wow. a quarter of them. The ACC, three. Only three. I mean, I, I didn't think it would be up to six like Dan Bonner Three. was talking about, but they've got in terms of tournament bids. North but. Carolina is the highest at nine. Uh, Duke is next at eighteen, and then uh, um, the one after that is Clemson at thirty-four, and that is it for top forty. Uh, care to see what the SEC is doing? Sure, I'll find that for you. I'm trying to th- Tennessee is five, Alabama seven, Auburn is eight. I was going to uh, say they had six teams. You're going to guess six? Yeah. Kentucky is uh, 25. That's four. Uh, Florida is 36 is five. Mississippi State is six at 36. You hit it right on the head. Six of 40 nice. from the SEC. Uh, how about the the big 10? Purdue is two. Wisconsin is 11. Illinois is 12. That's three. Um, 
Scrolling, scrolling, scrolling. Michigan State is 23, is 4. Um, that may be it. That's it. Big Ten has 4. How about the uh, the Big East? Big East is pretty good. Let's see. UConn is 4. Marquette is 14. That's 2. Creighton is 15. That's 3. Um, the... St. John's is 38, is four. So they got four. Big East has four. Big East, the same as – no, ACC only had three. Three. Wow. Yeah. Um, teams that are kind of trying to knock on the door and get their way in from the ACC. Virginia is at 45. Wake Forest is at 49. Virginia Tech is at 50. So they got three more if you round it out to the top 50. Just for S&G, would you like me to break your heart and tell you? I'm trying to think. What, what mid-major has the most? are – the what? Oh, the car on like to see what Do we have are? to? Do we have to? Well, I've, Come I've, on. You know, it's like I drove all the way here. Might as well go in and get a sandwich. Um, let's see. Scrolling, scrolling, scrolling. Keep them doggies scrolling. Rawhide. That was the thing to Rawhide. Right. That was good. Bellarmine is 317, if you're wondering. Just thought I'd pass that along to you. Uh, I think I've gone too far down. Louisville can't far, possibly be this far down. No, they're not. Last team in the country, Mississippi Valley, 362. Detroit Mercy at 361. Coppin State at 360. IUPUI at 359. Stonehill, 358. Hampton, 357. Maryland Eastern Shore, 356. Pacific, 355. LIU, 354. Holy Cross, 353. Siena, 352. Wow. Oh, Siena's all the way it's down. Hard there. to see them. Jeez. Down there. They yeah, were really. When I was there. VMI next, and then. 350s Morgan State. All right, let's go uh, scroll up and see if we can find the Louisville Cardinals. Well, we're still going up. That's good. Keep going. Keep going. Go, 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 climb. Go, baby, go. Go. Wow. We're going up there. There we are. Oh, lucky. 222. Do, 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 that was the TV show. Oh, okay. 222. They are uh, one and six in quad ones. Uh, oh, and two. In, I think that's quad twos, I assume, right? i got to scroll all the way to the top now to see what the hell it is. Good Lord. There it is. Oh, no, no, sorry. No, 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 no. That wasn't quad ones. They are they are, are one and six in road games, um, 0 and 2 in neutral. That's what I want to see is the quad ones. Is, let me see how many columns over it is so I get it right. One, two, three, four. So it starts there with the quad ones, and that goes from there. All right, so let me scroll back down to 222. And there they are. And then it's they've got – so it's uh, 1, 2, 3, 4. 0 oh, and 3 in uh, quad 1s, I think. No, 1 and 8 in quad 1s, 0 oh, and 3 in quad 2s, 0 oh, and 2 in quad 3s, 5 and 2 in quad 4s. I guess there is such a thing as quad 4. So there you go. So there's your – there's your – your uh, the, the, the good, the bad, and the ugly. Mostly bad and ugly. So I thought about making a segment on the show. The Called good, the good, bad, and the ugly? good, the bad, and the blank. What's what's the blank? Well, it could change. It could be like, you know, something that maybe rhymes with ugly, but you know, it depends on what the story of the jour would be. So we'd start with a good story. We'd start with one that's less than appealing, and the third story could be like the good, the bad, and the ugly. Like there's a cute like. Bear, the good, the bad, it's and the ugly. Like in... somebody gets arrested for a gun charge or something like that. Wow. 
It's not a lot. I didn't think there were a the lot good, of the bad, and the bugly. Like all of a sudden, like VW, like is or, or like that car. game in in uh, I think it was in Toronto, wasn't it? Where the what are those things? Those those flying they just swarmed. Oh, uh, cicadas. Yeah, no, yeah. it wasn't cicadas. I didn't think it was cicadas. It was something else. It was another thing. There's another name for it. Oh yeah, when they like got in Edgar. Oh Martinez's my God, they eye. couldn't play. Yeah. They got batter was like they were all around his head, and it was, yeah. it was terrible. I forgot what the, what they were called. Gnats? No, it wasn't gnats. No. They're bigger than that. They're big. Um, Fruit flies or something. No, I, I I know what you're no, talking about. I, I remember the video. Edgar Martinez has to step out of the box like three times because they're in his face. By the way, um, midges. Isn't that what they were called? I, I I have no idea. I've never even heard of a midge except she's Moose's girlfriend in Archie comics. Oh, that's right. She is. Reggie has a yes. thing for ALDS it. game two. Midges impact the game. I'm impressed that I remembered that because I don't remember anything anymore. They're everywhere. They're trying to get spray. They're, they're coming out. The umpire spraying his head, his hands. The players are spraying themselves because they're just being attacked by midges. Every now and again, that nature terrifies me in a new way. I mean, oh, this a is, swarm of bugs. Do you remember was when big uh, enough to like basically take out a stadium? Do you remember when was it Matt Holiday? He was the right fielder. I don't want to get him confused with the pitcher that recently Roy no. Holiday yeah so it's Matt Holiday remember when Matt Holiday got a moth just in his ear and he had to just come out of the playoff yeah, well, game climbed in his it climbed yeah. into the ear canal it was oh, the geez. weirdest I like I remember that. watching the game and like oh we got to stop it to play and then like it's just Holiday and he's like digging out of his ear and he's like ah, that ah. would be a great list Joe uh, Torrey by the way wrote a book weird weird sports injuries well, this, this is, we want to know sports. Thursday or uh sports in, uh, sports incidents affected by animals they look at the oh. they're showing a close-up of the midges his head is being surrounded by these bugs and I know he my makes, go-to now. he makes a wild pitch and Joe Torrey said in his book the one regret he had as a Yankee manager was not taking his team off the field at that point. They should have just... Really? Yeah, they shouldn't have continued. And uh, the fan says, I wish he would have, too. Are you going to be in town, by the way, for the Georgia Tech game? The UofL Georgia Tech game? What day of the week is it? Uh, I'm not sure. Um, it's pretty simple. You're talking about basketball, obviously. Yeah, I'm trying to... Uh, it's pretty simple. Um, every Saturday from now till the NCAA, turn- the NCAA tournament, or the ACC tournament, I have a network game. Weekday games, I'm here. Let's see. Because, ah, man. It's a weekend game? It is a weekend game. Because one Paul Biancardi's in town calling the game. Yeah. And he wanted to he's get got a drink. The, he's got the game on TV? Yeah. Look at Paul. My pie's on, brother. Is Bob saying midgets? No, midges. M-I-D-G-E-S. Midges. I did have to double take when you said it first. I yeah, was so like, did I. Midgets were going around the field? That's that, fun. Like that, that actually be, sounds hilarious. I gotta admit, all of a sudden the game's going on, and <laughs> Edgar little Martinez people is... are just racing around the field trying to yank the glove off some guy's hand. <laughs> he walks in the batter's box, and runs up, kicks him in the shin, <laughs> and just runs back out. Yeah, that would be very bad. Very bad. <laughs> Did you know uh, John Stamos is afraid of little people? I want to be politically correct. Is he really? Yeah. Um, what's the like? He's got a there's phobia? a term for that. There's an actual yeah. phobia. Oh, there's a yeah. phobia. Um, there's a phobia for that. There's what's his name? What's his name? He's the comedian. Oh, uh, Brad Williams. Yeah, Brad he Williams. Is hilarious. He has a he's story. A he has a story. Yeah. yeah, he's he's rough. Yeah, he's good. He's he has good, a though. story though that Bob Saget like went up to him. Rest in peace, Bob Saget. By the way, uh, and he goes up to him. He's like, Brad, John Stamos is here, and he's like, Oh my God, I gotta meet him. He's like, No, but here's the thing. He's deathly afraid. Of little people, and he's like, "No way!" So then, 
I think Bob Saget walks into the room and he has Brad behind him because he's small and he's behind his legs. And uh, he waits till John Stamos turns around. <laughs> and then Bob Saget gives him the signal and he starts running towards Stamos, grabs his leg and starts humping it. <laughs> it is one of the funniest stories in stand-up history that I could think of. Oh, my God. So it was even funnier the way Tanner told it. <laughs> Just... Here's how you pronounce the, the phobia of... Little people. And if, let me get the volume up on my control here and take a listen. Pediaia. Achondroplasiophobia. Achondro. Achondro, not achondro. Achondro. Achondroplasiophobia. There you go. Wait, wait, wait. Achondro, he... Achondroplasiophobia. Because it's spelled like achondro, so he's telling you don't say it that way. Because it's A C H. Did he stumble while he was saying it no. too? Like that was very no. confusing to listen to. We're looking at Julian's pronunciation guide, where we look at how to pronounce better some of the most mispronounced words in the world, like this other curious word. But how do you say what you're looking for today? Croissant. Let's learn how to pronounce the name of these phobia. An interesting phobia name for more phobias. Make sure to stay tuned because we've got loads of interesting... Come on, just pronounce it, damn it, stop. This guy's turning his website into a tease thing like it's a radio show. Just say the word. Dang, a guy turned it into a whole thing. How to pronounce achondroplasiophobia. Fear of... Small people. What is the politically correct term right now? Say it again. See, this guy just, you ask him, excuse me, sir, how do you pronounce yeah, no that? No pomp and circumstance. Nothing. No, 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 I'm just telling you, this is the most mispronounced. Just say the damn word. One more time, sir. Would you mind saying it one more time for our listeners? Achondroplasia phobia. There you go. Is the fear of little people. Little people. Yeah. Huh. That's interesting. I didn't know that was a phobia. No, there's phobias for everything. No, no, I mean, Everything. it, it, it makes sense. And I'll I, bet you there's... Come up with something. I'll bet you there's a fear of cereal. Fear Sir, of... You please stop staring at me? Where's the rest of you? <laughs> Damn, that's harsh. <laughs> I love that family guy. <laughs> Sir, will you please stop staring at me? There's no specific term for fear of cereal. However, there is a fear of food. Did you know that? Yeah. We certainly yeah. don't have that. No. no I've, I've heard that. Cybophobia. C-I-B... Is, is it, it like an eating disorder? Mm-hmm. Let's go see how you pronounce it. Is it cybophobia or is it... Let's go see. Cybophobia and pronunciation. Okay, here we go. It is. Let's see if we can get that guy who'll just come and tell us again. Would you mind saying it for us? Yeah, I think it's the same guy. Here we go. Oh, here we go. Production again. We present one word. How to say it. You can just skip, like hit, hit the little fa- for like fast forward. No, button. Let him do his thing. Go ahead, go ahead, have fun, have your fun. Cybophobia. That's all he wanted to do. Say it again. Cybophobia. One more time. One more time for our listeners. How do you say? Cybophobia. Thank you. Cybophobia. It's fear, fear of food. Of, fear of food. Is there fear of bleach? Because I'm looking at Clorox wipes right now. I do know you should not use those as toilet paper? And that's the way. You have oversharing. Oversharing. Oh, Clorox. It's got to be wet wipes, right? Oh, it's, it's this bleach. one I can even pronounce. <laughs> it's chemophobia. It burns so bad. Chemophobia is the fear or aversion to chemicals and chemistry. Okay. Chemophobia? Mm-hmm. Okay. Uh, that seems pretty simple. Chemophobia. 
So there you go. You wanted me to take a break like an hour ago, right? Yeah. All yeah. right, so let's do that. ESPN 680, 105.7.